speak again on that which is good <clears throat> and I think you put on this side good thank you verse 71 <clears throat> it is good for me that I have been afflicted that I might learn thy statutes and I want to read verse 67 as well. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. God has to tell us, namely me, what's good for me. I, I mean, look at verse 71. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. Do you think it's good when you get afflicted? I mean, who thinks that? That's, that's part of, in Romans 12, that renewed mind. You have to think differently when God saves you. And so God has to tell me what's good for me, or else we wouldn't know. That's why you can't go by logic even. Human logic would never think it's good to be afflicted. Some with their false prosperity Pentecostal gospel think that if you're a child of God nothing bad should ever happen to you. People told me, say, oh, this, this, you know, your arm, that shouldn't happen. You know, you should only be injured or hurt if in the, in the line of the Lord's work. Well, then explain to me the book of Job. Explain that to me. <clears throat> the Bible does not say it is good that I am hardy, robust, rugged. That's the opposite of afflicted. It says it is good that I am afflicted. Maybe some of you think it's afflicting to be in the house of God. I remember thinking that. I remember thinking being in the house of God, it was an affliction. The word afflicted means to be oppressed. I remember thinking being in the church house was oppressive. It means to be humbled or prostrated. 
I want you to look over a good illustration in the book of Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. And you might put your thumb or, or, or a bookmark or something here. We might return back over here. We might not. I might forget. I don't have it in my notes. But we may return. Luke chapter 15, verse 17. Here's a good illustration the Lord gave of one who was afflicted. And you can write in your Bibles, uh, a lot of people call this the prodigal son. And I'm told in the Hebrew, it's, and I know this is the Greek, but the Hebrews refer unto this as the, the searching father. They look at this from the father's perspective. And really, that's what we ought to look at this from too, is it's, there's a perspective of the father, and that's the father's indicative of the heavenly father here. You can write that down, the searching father here. But I want you to notice this morning, verse 17, of an example of the afflicted. <clears throat> well, let's back up, if you would, to verse 11. <clears throat> Christ speaking, it says, And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And if you want to know what riotous living means, just to give you an idea, what, what would he have done in 2023? He would have been at strip clubs. He would have been... Uh, getting prostitutes. He would have been living up in clubs in Miami. That's that's what that is. Harlots, hookers, getting drunk, probably some fentanyl, you know, some drugs. Probably getting some high-end cars, going to the dance clubs, all that garbage. That's what riotous living is. And notice the word riotous. It's, it's a riot. It says... He wasted his substance. And that's exactly right. It was a waste. Verse 14, And when he had spent all, spent it all, nothing left. There arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Where's all his friends at now? Where's all the people that were hanging out with him when he had the cool cars and he had all the girls with him and he was buying all the drinks? Where are they at now? Bunch of leeches. 
when all the money's gone and all the girls and all the cars and all the so-called good times, they're all gone. Because they're a bunch of leeches. Verse 15, And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. It's a great job. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. Now, if you want to know what husks that swine did eat are, it's pretty much the rotten food that's left over. That's how hungry he is. He's so hungry that he's willing to eat scraps of food that are rotting. And that's his job is to feed them rotten food. It is a nasty, smelly job. And he's down there and he's going, I'm that hungry. And Christ is teaching this to some Jews and swine are a unclean animal. So this is really, to them, this is a very offensive thing. And the Bible says in verse 16, he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat and no man gave unto him. So nobody cared about him. Now verse 17. That's his situation. Pretty, pretty. It's a, it's a humbling, oppressive situation, isn't it? And when he came to himself, he said, "How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants." That is the afflicted part. That's the oppressed part. That's the humbled, prostrated part. That's the part where we read in the 119th Psalm, it is good that I have been afflicted. Oh, it's so good I've been afflicted. Look back just a minute in comparison and notice here in verse 67 of Psalm 119, what does the psalmist David say here? He said, Psalm 119, verse 67, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Well, what happened in Luke chapter 15? What happened to that that son? Before he was afflicted, what happened to him? He went astray. He went into a far country. He took his inheritance and he went into a far country and he wasted it, all of it, in riotous living. Sinful living. And contrary to popular belief, you know, people say, oh, what goes on in in Vegas stays in Vegas. 
Hmm? Not necessarily. May follow you the rest of your life. Now I want you to notice something. If you'll turn over to Isaiah 53. Remember that prodigal he said in Luke chapter 15. No man gave unto him. He would have filled his belly with the husks that swine did eat. He said no man gave unto him. Well... <clears throat> Beloved, there was one, there's one who's been afflicted because you went astray. And I want to read about him unto you. Isaiah 53, beginning at verse 3. He's afflicted because you went astray. He didn't, he didn't go astray. Amen. He's afflicted because we went astray. He's afflicted because the person in the mirror went astray. You get home, you look in the mirror, you get up in the morning, you're getting ready for work or going to the store or, or you get, you're getting ready for the day, you get out of the shower, you look in the mirror. He's afflicted because that person went astray. Isaiah 53, verse 3. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was bruised for our I'm sorry, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. And he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. I'm not going to keep reading, but we find here that Christ Jesus, two times it's mentioned, in verse 4 and in verse 7, it says that he was afflicted. And in verse 6, it says, we were the ones who went astray. And so the Bible makes it very clear and very plain that Christ Jesus was afflicted at Calvary. He was oppressed, He was humbled, He was prostrated at Calvary because we went astray from God and His Word. And thank God He did. 
Without Christ as our substitute, we will perish. Without Christ as your substitute, that person in the mirror is going to perish. You see, He's the only substitute there is for sinners. And He was afflicted. He bore the sin debt. He took upon Him the wrath of God. I can't even describe that. It's indescribable. I can tell you this, that one day, men are going to say to the rocks and mountains, they're going to say, fall on us. They're going to wish the rocks and mountains fall on them. As opposed to facing the wrath of God. That's an amazing thing. Have you ever seen the the, the Rockies, or if you've ever been to the, uh, uh, um, what's that called, that big ditch out in Arizona? The Grand Canyon. If you've ever been there, go down in there and, and you know, you look up and you see how big it is. You imagine somebody saying, okay, just, I'd rather you fall on me. We were inside a cavern or a cave there in Ruby Falls in Tennessee. And, you know, I got to thinking, I, we was down quite a few uh, stories. I got to thinking, but what if this fell on us? That would not be good. One day people are going to want that to fall on them. Look here in Psalm 119, verse 65. Notice what David says. He says, Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according unto thy word. David says, Lord, the affliction is according to your word and you've dealt well with me. He doesn't say to the Lord, he doesn't say, Lord, this affliction's not fair. Lord, this affliction is outside of your word. I'm sure we could all take a, a piece of paper and write down things that have happened to us in our lives, but not one of us can say, well, this is contrary to the Word of God. He says, Thou hast dealt well, or as we might say, Thou hast dealt good, 
Thou hast dealt good with thy servant, O Lord. And then he says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I have kept thy word. Verse 71, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Always remember, God said, And those that he loves, he chastens. That's in Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. <clears throat> We've run reference to this before. I want to turn over there again. I want to note this. 2 Corinthians <clears throat> Second Corinthians chapter twelve. What is the purpose or the end of these afflictions? Well, we read in in our text. You know, it's, it's to learn his statutes. You know, to, to, to bring one back into the word of God. Okay. Well, is that it? So, is it for us to be robots and, you know, just to be, to, to just be, you know, checking boxes of the word of God? No. Again, look what look what Paul writes, 2 Corinthians 12. We're familiar with this. Paul's got a thorn in his flesh. He prays unto the Lord three times that it would depart from him. God says, it's not what I'm going to do. God says, I'm going to give you grace. Verse 9, he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul then re- replies, well, that's not what I wanted, Lord. Well, that's not what he says, is it? Paul says, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities or weaknesses. I'm going to have a constant affliction. Constant affliction. I'm going to have a constant weakness. Anybody here have a constant weakness? Something that that ails you? Paul says, I I will glory in it. Why? Why would you glory in that? Remember, we have to think differently. It's good that I'm afflicted. 
that the power of Christ may rest upon me. If I don't have this infirmity, if I don't have this weakness, if I don't have this affliction, I don't need the power of Christ. I can do things in my own power. Right? Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now this isn't, you know, the Pentecostal power of Christ. Isn't that garbage? Look in the book of Job. Now we're familiar with what happened to Job. Job 42. We, we studied uh, some of the book of Job. I'll just go over a little bit of it. He lost his, his business. He lost his sons, daughters. He was a worshiper of God. Devout man. His wife turned against him. He lost his health in a, in a severe way. He had night terrors, um, uh, violent uh, uh, bowels, the Bible describes, violent uh, bowel movements, uh, vomiting, if I recall, uh, in addition to the boils that he would scrape off his body with broken pottery, broken pots. Uh, his friends were blaming him for all that took place. It was horrific. And God was silent for a long time. Didn't say anything. And in the end, God begins to speak. And there, there, there are some great chapters. We really learn a lot in the book of Job. But I, wanna, I just want to read this portion of Scripture here in Job 42. Job is afflicted. He's, he is afflicted. And he was a devout, righteous man. And regardless of how devout and righteous you, you know, we're all righteous in Christ. But regardless of how devout and righteous living you are, God will humble you. 
He'll bring you down. And I want you to notice how Job comes in Job 42 verse 1. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not, things too wonderful for me which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. Now notice, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore I abhor myself, and repent in dust and ashes. He got another sight of God, didn't he? It's almost... He's saying like this, you know, God, I'd heard of you, but but now I got to see it. Now I got to see you. And it's kind of like I refer to the Grand Canyon. I, I've, ha- I've had people tell me, they say, oh, it's just a big ditch. And then they go out there and they see it and they're like, oh, it's a big ditch. It's huge. It's massive. It's it's not a big ditch. I've heard of you, God. But now I've seen it. Now I've seen you. And I abhor myself. It's good that I've been afflicted because it brought me back to your word. And your word shows me you. It shows me me and it shows me you. And that what James said? James said that the Bible, I, I look into the perfect law of liberty, it's a mirror of me. If I step away from the Word of God, I forget what I look like, don't I? But when I'm afflicted, I, I come back to the Word of God and I go, oh yeah, I abhor myself. I forgot. I'm just dust. My righteousness is just filthy rags. Lord, I'm nothing without you. See, that's what these afflictions do. That's why David said, it's good that I've been afflicted. Before I went astray. All of these things. We find that the purpose of them brings us back to the Word and we see God. We see Christ. We see Him in His glory. We are reminded of Him dying at Calvary. We see Him in all His glory. As Isaiah saw Him, high and lifted up, and we say, 
Woe is me. We see him there in Song of Solomon as our coming bridegroom. And we prepare ourselves as a bride awaiting her husband coming from a far country. Oh, it's good to have been afflicted, isn't it? Mm -hmm. We have to have a different mindset. We have to have a changed mind. So I pray that we might have these things, that it is, it is good, that which is good, that will be according to the Lord. Alright, let's close with a word of prayer. We'll have a brief intermission before the business meeting. <clears throat> Brother Crowder, would you lead us in prayer? Our gracious Father, we're thankful, Lord, for your word today. Thankful, Lord, that we can learn from these true accounts in your word that teach us principles. Father, of learning to Endure the things that you put upon us, Lord. We put them in the proper perspective. We've not endured anything compared to what Christ endured. And he was innocent. We're guilty. We've deserved every every bad thing that we might ever have occurred in our life. Lord, we're thankful. Praise God that you worked them out for our good. Through Christ. By faith, Lord, you saw us. Called us to see what we were in your eyes. You showed us ourselves from your viewpoint. You broke our hearts. Called us to see, Lord, how unworthy we were. Oh, how we needed you, Lord. He gave us grace to come. He said, Come unto me, all you heavy laden, every burden. All you labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. And then he gave us grace to come. He showed us a light. And you drew us to it. It's all by grace. But we have nothing to boast about. We're thankful, Lord, this morning that we can come into your house and hear your word and appreciate it with the spiritual mind that you gave us that we did not deserve. We pray, Lord, if there's one here this morning who's lost, that you would give them no rest, that you would stir them up, cause them, Lord, to realize that one day they have to give an account. And Lord, cause them to see that there's no guarantee of tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. Yeah. Grant repentance, Lord, we pray in our midst today.
We might fellowship and, and, and rejoice with those who might declare Christ as their Savior. We pray this, Lord, in Christ's name, for his sake. Amen. Amen.